This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And there she is, the <laughs> master of magnolias <laughs> and all sorts of other wonderful yeah, things. Yeah, keep going. I'm listening. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. listening. Yeah. Well, and, and the person I most admire who sits in this studio with me every Saturday morning. Aw. Uh, yes, that's right. Aww. I do. Uh, I'm Frank Proctor. And yes, and you're voice, the best. You, oh, God, here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start off nice. How's that? Uh, okay, Ooh, that'll be different. That'll be different. Happy Thanksgiving, one and all. Long yes, holiday weekend indeed. for the folks, huh? And yeah. don't worry about the rain that you've been experiencing the last yeah. little while. It is clearing out. I can see blue sky from here. When I was leaving uh, the farm this morning mm. uh, from Shirley's, I stole one of her winter coats because <laughs> it was raining and my umbrella was in the car uh, and it was pelting down. Yeah, yeah, it was pouring. So I wore the, <laughs> a winter coat as one, in as an umbrella. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it, <laughs> it was a, a, la- a lady's coat <laughs> and I must better. have looked ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Some of the uh, farm animals were looking at me kind of askance. You know? I bet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we're here, and uh, you have a wonderful uh, bunch of callers I know that will be coming. In fact, we have folks on the line. So let me get to the phone calls, first of all, what you have to do to get a hold of Charlie and say, hey, give me some help, Charlie. Okay, <laughs> here's the number in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-744-740, please. Call early, call often. One question per call is just like mm-hmm. a real caveat we like to adhere to. And please <laughs> let Sebastian. Hmm? Many of our listeners don't want to adhere yeah, to that's it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, they like to transgress. <laughs> Get in that extra yeah, little question. That's right. All right. And if you're a first time caller, please let Sebastian know. And uh, this is what you'll hear when you come on the air. Yeah, you get your wings. That's right. Garden wings. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show. A couple of things going on this week. But first, let me start by apologizing. Last Saturday, I should have announced that the Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society met, and I was there. Oh, I see. Uh, and that was on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday night. They meet on Wednesdays. Uh, so I should have announced that that was going on. And my apologies to everybody. But it's such a great group. You know, they're pretty fun, those, those people. And we were talking all about gardening with less water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, it's raining now, but we've experienced such a dry yes. growing season. Mm-hmm. It was a good opportunity to talk about good tips and techniques for, you know, successful gardens without having to pump a lot of water and spend a lot of unnecessary money on watering gardens. Yep. So coming up this week, Tuesday, October the 11th, 7.30 p.m., the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society meets, and they'll be having a free presentation on Alliums and Onions by Michael Erdman. He's president of the Greater Toronto Bulb and Hort Society. Refreshments are included. Guests are always welcome. And the Scar- they meet at the Scarborough Village, <coughs> excuse me, Scarborough Village Community Centre, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. <clears throat> One more uh, the next day, Wednesday, the 12th, 
the Burlington Hort Society meets um, 7.30 p.m. as well at the Burlington Senior Centre, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. The speaker is landscape designer Wolf Bonham, and he's speaking about lush gardens of Central America. Pumpkin pie will be served. Oh, Ooh, boy. baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did that yesterday. I made <laughs> pumpkin pies. Ooh, it's that time of year. Lovely. Good stuff. Um Okay, there's another thing going on, and this is just, I think, kind of fun and interesting. Remember, fall is the best time to plant weed seeds. Oh, really? Yes. Weed seeds? Why would I do that? Why, exactly? So after a tough spring and summer, monarch butterflies have begun their epic 5,000-kilometer migration. Right? They head south. This super generation of monarchs will travel from Canada to the alpine forests in Mexico where their great, great, great grandparents spent last winter. Mm. Right? So there's been that many generations Mm -hmm. in the last 12 months, which is always the the big puzzle. How do these monarchs know the way back? It was their great, great, great grandparents that left. Anyway, milkweed seeds sowed just before the ground freezes in late fall after it gets cool enough to ensure they won't germinate yet, um, have a higher germination rate than those planted during the rest of the year. So the David Suzuki Foundation uh, has opened their online milkweed seed store, or you can obviously get milkweed seeds from other sources, but the time to plant them is not yet because it's still too mild. But here in the Toronto area, probably about a month from now, you'd be scattering milkweed seeds out in a nice sunny location with the intention that they will grow next spring. So if you want to go through David Suzuki, just go to the David Suzuki Foundation.org for more information. And of course, as I mentioned, there's many other sources for milkweed seeds. I will never forget the trip that uh, we made uh, across Lake Champlain mm-hmm. in the States. And it was just at I the did time that too, of year on the ferry. when, when oh. the monarch butterflies, you looked up in the sky, you could not believe just swarms of monarch butterflies so it was like making just their dark. way. The whole yeah. sky was it dark was absolutely with butterflies. Uh, incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. And oh. was it now, like this time of year probably? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I think the latter part of fall, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but whenever it was, it was spectacular. Man, yeah, man. we did that ferry yeah. ride, but it would have been in August when no, we did it. No, this was the latter part of September, I think. Huh. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Oh, golly, it's got to be 15 years ago. Yeah. 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 But it was a startling event. Awesome event. So many of any one species. Fly, yeah. you know, all of that distance. I know. And 5,000 yeah, kilometers. Yeah. Anyway, we better push along here, my okay, golly, okay? okay. okay. Uh, yeah, we do have uh, callers waiting online, as a matter of fact, nine uh, coming up to 914 here on Zoomer Radio, the garden show, on the air from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, and we'll be along to talk to Jerry in Waterford in just a moment. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Last couple of minutes, uh, Charlie and I were uh, <laughs> gainfully employed, searching the the web for exactly where Waterford was. Uh, is. Just, yes, is. Yes, pardon me. You're right. Uh, and just a little bit south of Brantford, right? That's correct. Yes. And then we had to discuss yeah. Brantford versus Bradford. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Jerry. Jerry, hello, and welcome <laughs> to the show. Finally. It's halfway between Bradford and Port Dover. Yeah, really beautiful. Nice. Yeah, we have Oktoberfest here, and everybody is decorating their houses right now for the big celebration next weekend. And And fireworks and parade and everything. Pumpkin festival and all, too? Yeah. Yeah. Pumpkin Mountain, I I read. (laughs) 
That's Charlie, great. Charlie, yep. thank you so much for making gardening fun. Oh, good. <laughs> um, okay, in May of 2015, we planted, I think they're black cedars, 50 mm-hmm. black cedars mm-hmm. across the back of our property. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that is an, uh, an open a field mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and um so it's right right on the on the border now there was three chinese elms that were removed they weren't ours mm-hmm. belonged to the people behind us the empty field three ch- uh, chinese elms that were removed mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so i'll just just so you have a picture yep. of this yep. no, we put it. the 50 uh cedars in mm-hmm. they went through that one winter mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed to be fine all summer. I, I was um, with a soaker hose watering them. I thought I was doing it often enough. The other day I went out there and about half of them have turned yellow. Oh. Uh, is the whole plant yellow right to the tips or is it just yellow on the inside of the plant? Well, it's kind of everywhere. Like, you know, there's, there's it's not, uh, yeah, I'm going to say uh, the whole plant. some places um, and you know inside it's just hmm. just seems to be everywhere it seems to be like I said you know about half of the cedars and quite a bit of the cedar is yellow okay because I was going to say I mean we think of evergreens as being evergreen but Correct. they aren't that you know evergreens do drop older growth and it tends the older growth is always inside in the center of the plant whether it's a cedar or a spruce or a pine so the older growth if our tips are green we don't worry if the inner growth is yellow no big deal if you're finding that the we're you're yellow right to the tips the one thing i mean there are there's a few insects that cedars are infested by and when it is really hot really dry plants are under stress and insects will know that and will come from miles and kilometers away to attack plants under stress Mm -hmm. so it is possible that you have had some kind of an insect infestation uh it is possible that you know just the drought was too much the, the between the sun and the wind and the heat that the plants just suffered too much we get a lot of wind back there because of the open field. Yeah, no, but you see, black cedars, if they are black cedars, are a really good choice because they're native, they're tough, they're, we, they can withstand all kinds of adverse conditions. The trick is always when we say something can withstand adverse conditions, it means they must become established plants first. So, you know, good, solid root system, and then bring it on. So yeah, they're only a little bit more than a year old. That's yeah. what I was wondering. So, yeah, so they're fairly newly planted. So that would be the one concern, is that maybe there was just too much stress for them to be able to handle it. For now, I would probably wait. I would just wait and see next spring, get out there with a, a broom or your your gloves on and comb out the yellow stuff and see if there is some life in the plants. I mean, you could technically figure that out now, but it's probably, you know, it's too hard to get a hold of cedars to do any replacing probably at this time of year, I would think. So wait until the spring to comb yeah. out the dead stuff? Yeah, comb out the dead I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's going to drop just in the wind and the snow and all that sort of thing. But okay. but do, yeah, I wouldn't give up just because it is such a tough plant. It's They rarely die. So okay. I, it could just be that, you know, they've gone into such a level of stress that they've turned a lot of yellow, but there's still life in the roots. Now, Charlie, um, this, uh, oh, about three months ago, uh, we drilled holes in those big... Um, Chinese elms that mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. along the back there, mm-hmm. 
and um, put Epsom salts in those holes. That's what we read. We're supposed to go in the holes to kill the, the stumps mm-hmm. because the, um, the young shoots, the Chinese elms, yeah. tend to even shoot up yeah. in amongst the cedars. The cedars. Yeah, That's off how the close they are. So never, I always made sure not to get any Epsom salts on them, mm-hmm. just in the holes of the stumps. Mm-hmm. Would that have any effect if it seeped? Okay, so the Epsom salts would not hurt the cedars, and it's interesting. So you read on the web that you should put Epsom salts in the holes and then just let them be. Was that kind of just pour that in and walk away? We read was you you fill the drilled holes mm-hmm. with the Epsom salts. Mm-hmm. You put some water in. Mm-hmm. You wait for it to go down mm-hmm. and repeat that process. Hmm. So I did that, and then I covered up the stump yep. with um, a black garbage bag. Oh yeah, and stones. And I repeated that process, oh, about a month or so later, when they had, their holes were empty again. And how do those uh, uh, Chinese elms look? Well, what, what I found was a lot, they, it looks like it's working, and what I found was when I pulled up the young shoots around it, most of the time now I was able to pull them up rather than snip them off with... Mm, which is uh, going to cause more. Or, yeah. or dig them up. So um, I think hmm. it's working. Okay. But they, there's <coughs> these, <coughs> excuse me, these stumps are so close to the cedars that they um, have some young trees that are, are persistent and growing in mm. between the cedars. Okay. <clears throat> so here's my suggestion. In my um, knowledge base from 40 years of doing this, when you want to remove a stump... You drill the holes, as you've suggested, and there used to be a product on the market, and it was called Stump Remover. And Stump Remover was potassium nitrate, um, which is saltpeter. Uh, Epsom salts is magnesium sulfate. So they're both salts. Magnesium sulfate shouldn't kill anything. Potassium nitrate, on the other hand, does. So because there's, you know, it's the fact that they're so close together, it's probably better that you went with the Epsom salts. But it, with the stump remover stuff, you would pour it in the holes. And then the idea was if you're far enough away from anything that's like a building or anything, then you pour a kerosene into the holes and you smolder burn. You can smolder burn the stumps. So they'll slowly, you, know, you light mm. the, the kerosene, obviously, and then they'll slowly just burn over a period of a couple of weeks. Uh, and that just eliminates the stumps entirely. So it's too bad you plant at all those cedars because you you know you could have been able to kind of get in there and really kill the stumps first and then plant the cedars. Um, so for now, keep an eye on the cedars, see what they look like in the spring, um, and you're going to have to probably do some more work to eliminate the Chinese elms because they are very vigorous. Okay. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank we. Uh, you. That's a that's quite a big question though. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah sort it of is. Imagine what she's got and, going and, on. And uh, by golly, she was pretty good sneaking the second question in there <laughs> and the third and a fourth. Yes, no, I know. Kidding. <laughs> so we do have to now. We have to take a little bit of a break. Oh my goodness. Coming up to nine twenty-five here on the Garden Show, we'll be back to talk to another Jerry in Toronto. Uh, that's next here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, just through the uh, windows here from the Zoomerplex, the sun has popped out. Beautiful looking day. I can't even see a cloud now. No, it's great. Jerry in Toronto, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, 
Listen, I've got this Boston fern. It's a beautiful Boston fern. I've had it for some time. Mm -hmm. And I normally sweep up the leaves in front and besides and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yesterday, and it's, it's on this kind of pillar. Uh, oh, yeah. So I pulled it out from the wall yesterday. And oh, my God, dozens, and I mean dozens, of these little black bugs ran around at about 120 miles an hour. <laughs> And I don't know what the hell if it's related to the Boston fern or what's going on. I got no food back there, so they can't be roaches. So I don't know what to do. Huh, and this is inside your house? Yeah. And they're running around, no wings? Uh, no, they were, they, were, they were really moving. Mm, and not they weren't ants? No. How big are they? I mean, are they an uh, inch long? A little less than a quarter of an inch. Okay. Hmm. But I mean, they were moving around. There are, I mean, dozens of them. So what did you do? On the leaves or what's going on? Well, did you grab like a fly swatter and start swatting at them? What'd you do? No way. I got a can of Raid and made, made the uh. days miserable. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I mean, because there are certainly insects that in large quantities will infest plants, but usually they have wings. I'm just trying to think what that could possibly be without wings. And it's not ants. Ants are the other classic. that You know, they just love to make homes wherever they can make them. So the plant is outside now? No, I'm looking at it all depressed all the hell right now. I'm looking at it in my living room. Okay. Yeah, no, I just want... Do you, do you have a balcony or something you could put it out on? Or no? Yeah, I do. I would be inclined to put it outside. Just let's assume that the insects came from the plant. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it's nice outside. The temperature's fine. There's lots of you know good moisture happening. It is going to get cold tomorrow night, though, so you may have to bring it in tomorrow night. Yeah. In, when you get it outside, just bang your hand on the side of the pot a couple of times and see if anything emerges. If you can possibly take a picture of um, any, any of these insects and email it to me, that would be the best thing. Or if you can even just get one or two of those insects into a little Ziploc bag and head over to your nearest, you know, good quality garden center where they'll have some staff that know stuff, they, yeah. they'd be in a better position to help you. It, assuming that this insect has come from the plant and it's not it just... from the front of the plant, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. From the back. And they raw on the floor. Right. So, I mean, it could just be, well, you know, hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can take a picture, though, uh, I'd have a Sherry, better that'd be, idea. That'd yeah. be great, and you can send that along uh, via the, the computer. There, uh, I'll give you uh, Charlie's email address. Okay, it's c dot dobbin d o b b i n at m z media dot com. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Raid will kill the insects, but if you yeah. look at the Raid container, it will tell you to not spray directly onto plants. And definitely Boston ferns don't want to be really sprayed with anything except water. They're yeah. very sensitive about that sort of thing. Mm. So if, they, if the it's infestation's in the fern, then you may have to get rid of the fern and get a new one. Uh, if it's just something that it's coming through some crack in the wall or, you know, they're, they're coming yeah, from somewhere. Uh, yeah, and such a large quantity of, of them is, yeah, hard to say. Kind of disturbing, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, hope that that's helpful, Jerry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and, and thanks for laying that problem on Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, now to uh, Mississauga we go. Eleanor, good morning and welcome to the show. Hello. Good Hi. morning. Uh, I have a question about a uh, hollyhock. Mm -hmm. I bought one in the uh, spring and uh, I have collected some of the seeds. Mm -hmm. Now, will they, uh, when do I have to plant them and uh, what do I do with the plant? The, the stock where the flowers were. 
is dead, but the leaves are still green mm-hmm. you know, down by the ground. So do you want the hollyhocks to grow in that spot in the future? Yes. Okay. That would be nice. So the seeds you've collected, mm-hmm. you go out there and you pretend you're the plant, yes. and you drop and scatter those seeds in the area where the hollyhocks are now. Mm-hmm. And you can certainly cut off the, the dead flower stem, which is all now brown and yellow, Tip it upside down just in case there are any more seeds in the little fruits that are still attached to the stem there. Just make sure you've got all the seeds dispersed, and then you can compost that stem. The, The green leaves at the bottom will turn yellow as we get some frost, and that plant, unless you've bought a very rare perennial hollyhock, that plant will die. Okay. But those seeds will germinate and will grow. Unlikely that they'll grow this year just because we're getting late in the season, but it depends. If the weather, if we get some really warm weather, the seeds could germinate this spring, this fall. And then once they've germinated, little green leaves come up. Then we need another winter before the flowers will come up because it is a biennial. So we get leaves the first year and we get flowers the second year. Okay. Okay. So leaving the plant alone to just naturally drop the seeds where they stand I is fine. I did that, you know, when they, the first started to go to seed, mm-hmm. I did scatter them around. Okay. Do you see yeah, evidence? Like about er, early August. Yeah. And it's been dry. So do you see any evidence of any little tiny uh, hollyhock I plants? I noticed any. Okay. No. So be careful when you're walking in there because they could be, you know, the rain has been good mm-hmm. for things just like that. Because if you can get those seeds to germinate this you know, 2016, you will get flowers in 2017. Oh, okay. Right? If the seeds don't germinate till 17, it'll be 18 before you get flowers. Okay, well, I'll check out there and All see right. if there is any growing. You never know. There'll be little tiny green things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Eleanor. You're welcome. And thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Now, hey, my bell ringing arm coming into play All here. Right. Uh, just get a minute. Exercise. That's for Janet in Hamilton, first-time caller. Hi, Janet. Good. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Uh, first of all, love your show. Thank you. Just my Saturday morning blessing to listen to. <laughs> um, I have an area in the front of the house that's full of ferns. It's about uh, maybe 20 inches by 20 inches. Should I be cutting them back or just leave them till the spring? So they're big green ferns or like oh, ostrich? beautiful. Oh. Great big green. I, they're growing in a place that they shouldn't be, <laughs> so I've just left them alone. Okay. So it's the front of your place. Um, yeah. Personally, I wouldn't cut anything back until frost has knocked them down. Okay. So, of course, they're nice and green right now, so leave them alone. Once we get a, a hard frost, they're going to all sort of turn black and brown and tip over and tilt over and not be very attractive. So if you right. can reach in and cut them down to about an, you know, an inch tall, two and yeah. a half centimeters tall without stepping in there uh it'll just look nicer and neater for the the winter and then when you you'll it'll be nice and easy for the new growth to emerge in the spring because ferns are so pretty when they they come up the little fiddleheads come up so it's nice to sort of get the old stuff out of the way so that the, they can come up and as, assuming that you know uh, that's not like salty snow isn't going to get piled there or yeah, exactly. We have a walkway that's shoveled, and then eventually they come around and they put salt on it. Should I cover it with burlap? Yeah, that wouldn't protect it from the salt. Um, no, okay. What I would do is, after you've got a hard frost and you've cut them down, 
I would pile, uh, if you can do this, if you have leaves in the neighborhood, preferably small leaves or leaves you run over with the lawnmower to chop them up small, I would pile a couple of inches of leaves on top of the ferns. And then next spring, depending on the kind of winter we have, if there has been a lot of ice and so there's been a lot of salt used, remember that we need to wash the salt through the soil to desalinate the soil to allow the plants to grow. So just sort of keep that in the back of your mind that if we've had a lot of salt put on and we haven't had a ton of rain, you got to go out there and really wash that soil through to encourage those ferns to survive that process. If I don't get any leaves, could I take the cut ferns and put them back on top of it? You could. You could. And then just be prepared to lift them in the spring. But it's just a nice way to protect the crowns of the plants a bit. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us here on Zoomer Radio. Bye, golly. First-time caller is coming up again here. Just a minute. Excellent. That's for Rick in Alliston. Good morning, Rick. Welcome, Rick. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. Good. Um, hello, uh, Charlie, and hello, Frank. Uh, happy Thanksgiving weekend. Ah, well, thank and you. you too. My question, I can't find uh, any information anywhere from the stores uh. or uh, fertilizer place that I go, go to get my uh, fertilizer from my lawn. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a box of fertilizer spikes. Mm-hmm. They're uh, fruit and citrus. Mm-hmm. Now, can I use them for uh, my... Uh, color of blue spruces? I wouldn't, but you can. No. It wouldn't hurt them, but it won't feed them with necessarily the appropriate nutrients. Okay. So you've got ones that say fruit and citrus? This is what I, I've got a, a yeah, box, box. Here, uh, that I brought back from Arizona. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because mm-hmm. I've seen the citrus ones that here in Ontario, I'm pretty sure, but they're small because they're designed for houseplants. It's because many people love growing lemons and limes and, yeah, to, yeah. you know, not tomatoes, but, you know, grapefruits inside their homes. No, so if you, bu- yeah, these are big full-size spikes. Yeah, they are. So read me the three numbers that are on that box. 91212. Right. So 91212, the first number 9 represents the percentage of nitrogen. Mm -hmm. The second 12 represents the percentage of phosphoric acid or phosphorus. And the third number 12 represents the amount of um, potassium or potash. Okay. Spruce trees, by virtue of being an evergreen, it's all about the nitrogen. When we feed evergreens, we typically feed them a higher first number because we want to encourage green growth, which is what evergreens are all about. Fruit trees, on the other hand, we want to encourage flowers and fruit, which is why this particular 9-12-12 has <clears throat> got a higher proportion of both phosphorus and potassium to encourage flower buds, fruiting, and quality fruit, good tasting and good color fruit, because uh, that's what potash and potassium and phosphorus do. So it wouldn't hurt your spruces, but it wouldn't be your optimal formula to feed the spruces. Would it, would it do any good at all? Or yeah, not? it would. It would. It's just you're adding unnecessary phosphorus and potassium and only 9% nitrogen. If you want to use those spikes just to get them out of your cupboard and be done with them and stop right. having them sit there and collect dust, right. don't, uh, don't put them in yet. Wait another couple of weeks. Uh, wait till at least the end of October in Alliston, and then follow the directions, bang them down into the ground at the appropriate uh, distance from, like, out at the drip line of your spruce, and the uh, appropriate quantity of spikes based on the caliper size or the dimensions of the main stem. Okay, 
so it's not going to harm it, but nope. it's not going to do any uh, uh, greatness. Well, it'll do good. It just won't do as good as an evergreen food would do. But it, it but it wouldn't. It will not harm. And in a sense, it's it's not. I mean, it's fairly balanced. It's not like it's you know way. You know, it's not like it's at three twelve twelve or something like that. You know, you're still got to, in terms of the ratios there. You know, you still got three parts uh, for every four part. You know, it's not that bad. <clears throat> All right. Hey, thanks for joining us, Rick. And again, happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. And uh, yeah. thank you for joining us here. Happy turkey and pumpkin pie oh, to you. Oh, yes, indeedy do. <laughs> well, we're going to come up and have a little chat with Marie in just a moment. So we have to take a little bit of a break here on uh, Zoomer Radio. Let me just refresh the phone numbers for those of you just joining in, maybe. In Toronto, you can get a hold of Charlie Dobbin by calling 416 360 And then anywhere in the province, toll free, of course, one 866 740-4740. We'll be back on Zoomer Radio and the Garden Show in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Charlie and I were just having a little conversation off air uh, about uh, what we did yesterday. Shirley and I went uh, up north a little bit toward Collingwood mm-hmm. and uh, up Airport Road. Mm-hmm. That is one of the prettiest roads. But right now it is spectacular. The fall colors are drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah, right now. Yeah. So, and oh. that's not a far, very far place to go. Like no. That. It's not like you no. have to go up to Sault Ste. Marie or anything. You want so, a treat? Yeah. Just take a, a ride up there, you know, anywhere in that area. It's but, all hardwoods along there, right? So it's yeah. yellows and oranges, oh, and reds. Deep, deep reds. Really? And I said to Shirley, I said, you know, right now when I'm looking at this, it makes me so proud to be a Canadian. And this, thankful. This, yes. Yeah. This just says so much, you know, about about the country. Well, we're so oh. spoiled that we get that. Wow. A lot of parts of the world don't yeah, get the beautiful right. fall no. colors. Anyway. Uh, Not something. to mention, we don't get hurricanes touch wood. Oh, thank you. Thank <clears> you, yeah. <throat> hey, Marie in Toronto. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. And happy Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you. Um, I brought a plant that has what looks like red chilies. Oh, yeah. Chili peppers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It said decorative peppers. Mm. I'd like to know whether they're edible. Great question. You know what? I'm going to have to report back on that. I think not. The reason it says decorative or decorative, uh, they are ornamental. But But they look like real cheese. Yeah, I know, I know. So you know what? Leave that with me. Keep listening, and I will give you an answer before we uh, finish the show. So in the next sixteen minutes, I'll have an answer for you. They, they're so all—they're happening right now. All those little ornamental peppers, yeah. and I'm just drawing a blank on whether they're edible or not. They should be, but let me double check. Okay, okay. that's good. Meantime, meantime, uh, let's, let's all right. We can travel along zoom to, uh, on to Cambridge, and there's Margaret. Oh, yes. Hey, Margaret, welcome to the show. Hi. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about a black walnut tree. Mm-hmm. I, I realize that they're uh, to- it's a toxic tree. Mm, somewhat. I, I want to know about the leaves. Mm. Are the leaves also toxic? You mean in terms of keeping them on the property and using them as mulch? No, it's falling on my garden. I'm trying to remove some. This tree is not on our property. It's on the other side uh, of the fence. Okay. And it's huge. Yeah. 
And the squirrels are going crazy pulling all those walnuts off, and it's just a... I try to pull as many as I can before they get to them. A riot of, of activity. Uh, yes, you, you do want to pull those leaves off your garden. Yeah, as they decompose, toxic, eh? as they decompose, they will um, uh, release something called juglone, and juglone is it's it's a chemical that sets up an environment that, f- that makes it an unfriendly place for other plants mm-hmm. to grow. Basically, it's because the walnut is a very narcissistic plant, and it wants to stand alone, and it doesn't want to have anybody around it. Mm-hmm. And that's something it's evolved to do. So it exudes juglone from its roots, uh, and it is also in, encased in the leaves. As the tissue starts to decompose, that will be released into your soil, and it will. It, it certain plants can withstand juglone better than others, but if you can keep the leaves away, do so. Yeah, there's a lot of the shrubs that are not doing well in that garden. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> uh, we moved a couple of years ago, and we removed so many big roots that are about five, six feet long. Mm. Yeah, a big old tree like that has roots where you can't even imagine. They, you know, they just send roots all over the place. So, And they will affect the soil wherever their roots are. But like I said, the, some plants are, are, are more able to uh, you know, deal with the juglone than others. If you have access to the internet, go to the University of Guelph, just uh, Google um, black walnut tolerant plants, and the and if you put in University of Guelph, they have done a big, long study on what plants in Ontario cope better than others growing around black walnuts, and that'll give you some good ideas. Good source. Okay. okay. Thank you very much, Margaret. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, by golly, uh, yeah, uh, what is it, 9.47 already. Okay, uh, Julie uh, in Scarborough. Hello, You're Julie. You're thinking out loud. I am. I am. <laughs> You're looking out the window. What temperature is it out there? Oh, look, sky's blue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, what time I, is it? I got sidetracked <laughs> Who there. am I? Hey, Julie. What am I doing here? <laughs> Rescue me. Hi, Julie. Hi. Good morning. And happy Thanksgiving to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I was just wondering, I bought some flower kale seeds oh, yeah. from Japan. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I was cool. wondering when to plant them. Last spring. <laughs> you hold on to them and plant them next spring. Next spring. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, because they're not going to survive the winter. Okay. Yeah, so... so I plant them in the spring uh, just in... Ordinary soil. Yeah, lots of sun. And if, if do they actually say flower kale seeds, or is it all in Japanese on the package? No, it says flower kale in English. Yeah, so I wonder, um, see, at this time of year, we see, and you'll see them for sale in the stores, all yeah. the mums are out there. And as our last caller, Marie, said, ornamental peppers are out there. Uh, there's, a, you know, th- these are the real fall, beautiful plants. And kale... There's ornamental kale out there as well, and because it's very bright, it's very pretty, it's all frilly leaves, pinks and purples and greens and whites. So it's probably seeds of that kind of a kale. Okay. Uh, it is edible, but it is typically grown more for its ornamental purposes. So you do it does require the full summer to become a good-sized plant, and then as we get into fall, it's a beautiful plant, and we get frost, it's even more beautiful, and then it stands in your garden all winter, and then in the spring, it turns to mush. Oh, okay. So if I plant them in the spring, mm-hmm. um, probably by the fall they'll be full bloom. Hopefully, yeah. And they aren't really bloom. It's the leaves look like flowers. 
Like they're so frilly and pretty that so there you yeah kale's never grown for its flower but the it, it's like poinsettias we think the red leaves are flowers they're not they're colored leaves and it's the same with the ornamental kale so it, it'll be a very pretty plant but it'll be all leaves. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for joining That's us great. this morning. And I want you to take pictures and send in pictures next year because I want to see what Japanese ornamental kale plants look like. All right. Very good. Uh, We're going to be speaking to Wanda in Scarborough in just moments here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zuma Radio. It's a wonderful weekend, a long holiday weekend here. Yes. We're delighted you joined us. But you're not Super getting Radio. much of a holiday. You're working well, yeah, for Norm. Working. Yeah, but oh. on the air on Monday and I think Tuesday as well. Oh, my. Uh, in the afternoon. You'll so. need your holiday after the holiday weekend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, you've been doing a little homework there, oh, so you want to get point. to that? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, update. Marie from Toronto called in about ornamental peppers, wondered if they were edible. I hope you're still listening. And yes, indeed, they are edible. They're not poisonous at all. They are not grown for their edibility. They're grown for their ornamental value. They can be very, very hot and spicy, which is one of the reasons why I recall seeing on some of the tags mm-hmm. not recommended to be eaten. Yep. And it's because they can be just so spicy. But yes, there's nothing toxic or poisonous about them. So, But be careful. Test first. It might be hotter than you expect. Right, you. Hey, Wanda in Scarborough. Here you are on the Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. This is Thanksgiving to you. Thank well, you, thank and you. you too. Thank you. My Rose of Sharon has four trunks. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, oh seven and a half feet tall, mm-hmm. and it's doing beautifully. But it, it's in the corner of the. My neighbors and mine, southwest fence. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to cut one of the trunks? It's about uh, an inch or so mm-hmm. in girth. Yeah. Um, I mean, you need the right tools. An inch or so in girth, you're going to need some sharp loppers or a small uh, limbing saw. Uh, so, yeah, you need the right tools. Uh, and frankly, it would probably look better with three stems rather than four just because everything always looks better in odd numbers. Uh-uh. And you could do it now, or you could wait and do it in the spring. doesn't matter, either one. But it's probably flowering now, so I'd probably wait and do it in the spring and enjoy the flowers. How long would it keep flowering? Well, when we get a frost, uh, the flowers will, will all shrivel up, and fruits and seeds will start dispersing. So if the whole thing is just too much plant and you don't want all that plant there for the winter, then yes. certainly trim it at any time it's convenient for you. <clears throat> but like I said, just make sure you <clears throat> excuse me, are using the right tools. You need a clean cut at ground level, not perfectly level with the ground. You want a slight angle on that cut because you don't want water to sit on the wound and cause rot to go down into the root of the plant. Okay, so I can take a saw at yep. ground level. Yep, at ground level, very slight slant. Oh, excellent. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> and welcome to the show. Uh, I can just see Wanda right now grabbing her saw and going out there. Yeah. yeah. You know what? She's got her gloves on and she's going out. To, I just can hear it in her voice. <laughs> there there you go. You call into the show and Charlie's going to put you to work. My gosh. Judy in Toronto, welcome to the show. Yes. <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. It's regarding snails in the garden. Mm-hmm. Now, do they um, die off in the No, cold? no, no, no. They go underground. 
They lay eggs, and the, oh, they, the parents die, but the eggs all survive. Oh, so it's best to pick them off now. You know what I do? I pick them off, and I throw them on the road. Oh. Take great pleasure out of yeah, watching okay. them roll out onto the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait for cars okay. to run them over. <laughs> That's just great. Okay, thank you. All right, or, or the other thing is, there's small children in the neighborhood. They love collecting snails. Get them to come with a jar. <laughs> Their parents will hate you, but it's a really great yeah. way to get rid of snails. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay, All right, Judy. Thank You're you. Um, well, let's see. We've got a couple of minutes left. And from Oakville, here is Fran. Good morning, Fran. Morning. Morning. Uh, I have a problem with the grass at the front of my house. It's nice in the spring when the the huge Norway maple and sugar mm. maple are not in leaf. Right. And then as it as the season goes on, the lawn looks terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, should I? I've tried putting a grass seed down for shade. Yep. But that doesn't seem to be working, and I'm wondering, is there a company that sells sod for? Shady nope. areas. No. See, yeah, so this is a great point you're bringing up. Stop trying to grow something that won't grow in the mm. shade. Mm. Grass, think of the prairies. You know, mm. your yeah. best grass is in full sun, lots of air circulation. Yeah. Your worst grass is beneath things like Norway maples because Norway maples are sucking all the liquid right, out of the soil yeah. and the yeah. grass is in sh- so because my backlog is beautiful because yeah. it gets all the sun, but yeah. the front, it looks like it's awful. Well, well, the thing is, sometimes we can get grass to do pretty well in shade as long as it's not uh, uh, lacking for water as well as lacking for sun. So what I would do if I were you is forget the grass. Let's come up with a plan that is going to just, whether it's ground cover, shade-tolerant ground cover growing in there, uh, could be just mulch, could be river rocks, could be a small garden that's, you know, ferns and, and you know, um, hostas and plants that are going to handle the shade. And, of course, getting some, some good organic material in there will help as well. But just don't even go with the grass and no, there's no sod grown in the shade. All sod know, comes from full well, sun that's sod farms. I, I have a lot of hostas and other things that grow mm-hmm. with that. You know, that they're mm. doing well. It's mm-hmm. just where the grass is. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I like put in a little walkway where you're trying to put grass, you know, when you're getting out there. Or, you know, it's hard to know exactly what to do not seeing it. But just that's a, it's a, don't even, don't even try and grow grass. You're just going to be frustrated. Enjoy it in the spring. And then it's like embarrassingly ugly in the late summer and fall. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Fran. <laughs> and thanks for being uh, one of several folks <laughs> joining us here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. What a weekend this is, huh? I mean, I'm thinking of tomorrow and yes. our Toronto Blue Jays. I was, I mean, Edge of the everybody's seat. just so excited. We knocked off those beggars. Those in, yeah, horrible the, Rangers. The Texas Rangers. Do, you know, I, Arlington, I, did you see games. them all praying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fans here in the stands, and they're, oh, dear God, let my team win. It was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, hey, go on. Yeah, no, but at least they don't throw beer cans Odor, there. So, you Mr. Know. Odor. Well, he's... Yeah, sucker he's, puncher. Yeah. Well, we, he got punched back in the way it should happen, you know? I know. Anyway, right, listen uh, to us. All the best to them, all the best to them uh, tomorrow when yes. they get going against uh, the Rangers again. If we could wrap it up.
Uh, one win. I know. Three done. Yeah, yeah. yeah take yeah. a take a few days off. They need it. They've got a yep. bunch of injuries, so they can and use, to, some, to use a break. Out there, I have a wonderful long holiday. We gonna keep it right here right. at AM seven forty. I absolutely yeah. don't go anywhere. Keep it on AM seven forty <laughs> unless you're out in the garden. Take your radio with you. We understand that exactly. Enjoy your turkey and your pumpkin pie and all that important stuff. Thank you. We've had some great, interesting calls absolutely. today. So I really appreciate all you people racking your brains all week, coming up with good calls for Saturday. So thank you for that. Thanks, Sebastian. Bastion, couldn't do it without you. And Frank's the best. Couldn't do it without you either. God love so you. So thank okay. everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.